Hi there, and welcome to the Wayback Music Machine podcast. This is the show that takes a lighthearted look at the week that was in rock and roll history. I'm Tony Stewart. I'm Aaron Badgley. And Aaron, how are things in Toronto? Things are fine. I'm hoping that we don't have a power outage, so keeping our fingers crossed, but uh, they're fine. How are you, man? I am doing well. I'm super excited because we get to see you guys in two more sleeps. I know. I can't wait to uh, see you, Cynthia, your, yeah, meet Luna, see Lucy, and uh, just check out Perth. And more importantly, check out the bunker, which I'm, I'm, I'm looking at right now, and I can't wait to see it as a studio in person. Yeah, it's uh, look, looking pretty good. And I have to tell you that that's all Cynthia, because if it was up to me, it wouldn't look near as good as this. And she did a great job. And you know, it's a basement in a century home, and I, yeah, I still have to work with that space, but it looks great down here. So can't wait for you to well, see Tony, it. If I, if I put it together, it would literally look like a hoarder's home on TLC. So just saying. <laughs> <laughs> now, what do you say? Should we get this thing started? Yeah, where are we going to start off, Tony? Where, what, what, what are we going to talk about today? We've got a few things, don't we? Yeah, we do. I think we should start off with that U2 story. So we're going to go back to October the 15th, 2014. So folks, you'd better buckle up because this is episode 72. So this story is fairly recent as far as our show goes. Uh, this is October 2014, and I remember this. Um, Tony, before, before we go on, did you notice that all of our stories are from this century today? You're right. That never happens. First time, I think it's the first time, for the, all from the 2000s. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Well, this will be great. So a pretty current affairs type of show today. <laughs> for us, yes. Yes, exactly. So this one, I remember this very clearly because this created quite the stir. So we're here in Dublin, October the 15th, 2014. And U2, the front man for U2, Bono, had to apologize, didn't he? Because they did something that a lot of people got upset about, not only fans, but other musicians as well. And what did they do? Well, if you're like me, you woke up that morning and you got on your computer and all of a sudden you had a brand new U2 album that you didn't, A, pay for, and in my case, B, want. Um I mean, I didn't know the album, but I, I wasn't in the market for a new U2. But everyone who had iTunes got this album. The album was called Songs of Innocence, um, which, by the way, they borrowed the title from William Blake's 1789 book, Songs of Innocence and Experience. But uh, everyone got a copy. And I, I, I have to tell you, Tony, I, I love, love Bono's um, apology, which he said was, the move was a drop of megalomania, a touch of generosity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's pretty apt. And I think he realized, you know, he realized that it was probably not a smart move afterwards. It was some marketing on Apple's part, right? With the iTunes store trying to get everybody excited, you know, dropping a new U2 album, but it totally backfired on them. And I still have my iPod, actually. I remember when that happened and I've still got Tony, that it's still iPod. On my, it's still on my, uh, my, my, my iTunes account. If you go into my iTunes account, it's still there. Yeah. And, you know, what, what was the issue with, uh, we know what the issue was with fans, right? It was, I didn't ask for this. I didn't buy it. That's a little bit intrusive, but what, what do you think? I know my perspective on it as a musician, but what do you think musicians might've been unhappy about it? Well, I think, 
that was the key, right? And you had a lot of musicians, uh, Pete, uh, Pink Floyd's uh, Nick Mason, one of them, speaking out saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to read Buck Cherry. There's a band out of, I think they're from Toronto, Buck Cherry. The guitarist Keith Nelson said it devalued music, saying you too had sent a message to everyone that music's free and that it's, and that's the very disturbing message. It's easy to do that when you're a multi-millionaire billionaire and money isn't something that you worry about. But when you're a working rock and roll band, you count on every dollar. And I think more than that, it, it does devalue music because it's basically saying it's disposable. Like here's your free, you know, we went to see a concert the day and they gave out free handy wipes. Well, it's the same thing in my opinion, right? Yeah. No, it's exactly the same thing. It becomes a commodity. It becomes wallpaper. And now, I mean, this is 2014. Can you imagine what they would have thought now? <laughs> because music has been completely devalued, right? A play on Spotify is not even worth a hundredth of a penny. So, that's right. Well, and and you wonder if Spotify didn't get the idea for something like this, right? It's like, oh, okay, we can give music away. Yeah, it 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 totally backfired. And some would some would say, well, it's very generous of them. It, was, it had nothing to do with generosity. The the album prior to this had not done particularly well. It was like Madonna did a tour about this time, and what she did was, which was very smart or manipulative. When you bought a ticket for the concert, part of that money went to the CD. So when you got into the concert, everyone had a CD waiting for them. So she said, look, I sold these many tickets, which means I sold this many CDs, which means it's number one. And it did. It went to number one. But it didn't go to number one because people were going out and buying it. It was because people who had bought tickets to her show were getting it. Am I making sense? Like it's it was yeah. um, same idea, same idea. So, of course, you too thought, well, we'll just go one step further and just put it on everyone's computer. It still yeah, didn't make number one. It's a very, very gray area, isn't it, right? I, I, You know, Madonna's case, that seems a little bit shady. Uh, certainly, I didn't know about that one. And that rubs me the wrong way a little bit as well. But you know my thoughts on streaming. I, uh, I think it's been horrendous for the music industry and what it's done to artists. And a lot of good artists have checked out because of streaming, right? They've got no choice. How do you make a living off you know, less than a hundredth of a penny every time someone plays your song. Which is a far sight less than what you would get if you get played on radio, yeah. including internet radio. So, for example, we announced last week we're doing a radio show. When we when we put the show to air, the musicians and the artists, whoever owns those tracks we're going to be playing, will make more money than if people streamed it on Spotify. Because yeah. radio has always paid more money. Yep. And in fact, you remember when you remember when iTunes first came out, there was a, a quite a flap about that, about the idea of downloading music, because they were saying, you know, these were paying musicians at the rate that they were making without any kind of inflation or currency adjustment due to time. We're paying musicians what they would have made in 1965. And that was upsetting yeah. enough. But now I'm sure if you were to ask a lot of independent musicians, they would gratefully take, you know, the whatever it was, 30 cents that they made from every download because it takes an awful lot of plays on Spotify or Apple Music to to get there, you know? Well, and, I, and it's funny because I don't know if you even have to be an independent artist anymore because any band who's going to make money is going to do it by the old-fashioned way, which is touring. They're not going to make money. I mean, you get a few who sell a lot of records. Beyonce sells a lot of records. Uh, Adele, all the one word named drake <laughs> but if you have one name one word name you're gonna be all right we're just going to one word names um but you know even bands who've been around for a long time are saying it's not 
feasible anymore because you're not making any money from your back catalog. No. Record sales are non-existent. And and when they couldn't tour for two years, a lot of bands uh, really hurt, you know, really hurt. Well, and this trend, I mean, uh, of musicians selling their back catalog now, right? Was it David Crosby said like, look, I've got to be able to afford my mortgage payments, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, the truth, the truth is that's where you're going to make the money. The, the sad part is, is that you're going to hear David Crosby songs on everything from, you know, McDonald's to whatever. I mean, they'll, they'll use it however they see fit. I've already heard the song Our House. I know he just co-wrote that, but it's still not a commercial. Yeah. Whatever. You know, what can you do, right? But, well, um, you too thought, you know, yeah. Yeah. And in fact, uh, one of our other people that we're talking about recently sold his back catalog too. So I was shocked actually when I heard that Bob Dylan sold his catalog. Weren't you, were you shocked by that? I, I really was because I thought like McCartney, I thought Dylan had a family that could look after it. I mean, McCartney would never sell his catalog because he's got a very solid family. I mean, Jacob Dylan could do a fine job looking after Bob Dylan's. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I had no idea what was going through Bob's head at that time. Do we ever know what's going through Bob's head? I, mean, I, I don't think we do, but this is a, a perfect segue. We're going to get to the charts first, though, but this is going to lead to our next segment. Uh, our next segment, we're going to be talking about Bob Dylan. So what chart did you pick oh, this you, week? Oh, you and your segues. You and your segues. <laughs> uh, I love them. I just want to say that this album by you 2 although it was given away free, it peaked at number nine <laughs> in America. <laughs> It peaked at six in Ireland, five in Can- no number six in the UK, five in Ireland, uh, five in Canada, and two in Ireland. Even though, how many? Uh, I think it was thirty-three went million. 33. It said. <laughs> it's still because people were literally like, "I have to get rid of this album." Yeah. So now, <laughs> and I, you know, did it, if you deleted yeah. it, like if you deleted it, did it take back the number? Was there an algorithm yes. that calculated that? Yeah, for people who are actually deleting. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> you know, I was. Uh, you ever watch Parks and Rec? Uh, oh no, no. Oh, because because there was an episode where they were in a telethon, and Ron Swanson was talking about how to do it, how to make a wicker chair, and and the guy goes, "We got to get him off." We're actually losing money on the telethon. People are calling up asking for the donations back. <laughs> 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 that was what's happening. Okay, so. In, in America, when you two gave away their album, here was the top five albums. And it's a kind of a cool top five. And and I'm going to just put this out there. Other than one artist, you never heard any of these records on the radio at the time. And that's a shame because, you know, they were in the top. People were buying them, but radio wasn't playing them. Number five was Prince, Art, Official Age. See, you probably don't know that album. No, not very well. No, I've heard of it, but I don't know it. I couldn't. You know. It's a great, it's a great album. Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga were number two with Cheek to Cheek. Which is fantastic. That was a great collaboration. Oh, and who would have thought, right? Yeah, exactly. Number three was Barbara Streisand and her album of collaborations, one of which was I put on the Spotify with Billy Joel. Okay. Um, album called Partners. They do New York State of Mind. Um, the only album I remember hearing on the radio at the time was Lady Antebellum, now known as Lady A., and their album, 747. And number one was Blake Shelton, Bringing Back the Sunshine. So uh, it was a weird time, 2014. Well, <laughs> it was really an odd Blake, time. Blake Shelton, he's a country guy, right? Is, yeah, yeah. So, I think he's on The Voice. Okay, so you've got a country guy at number one, and then 
Prince on there and Tony Bennett, Barbara Streisand. Yeah, that's a very odd chart, isn't it? It's all over the place. And, and you know who's missing? No, who's missing? You you two. Oh, well, yeah, they were. That's of course. they. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't resist it. <laughs> now, you know what? Every once in a while on this show, we run into uh, a crazy story about Bob Dylan, and we've got one here. So we're going to go ahead to October the 16th, 2001, and this really could only happen to Bob Dylan. So we'll be right back. So Tony, do you do you know where the term sacked? Like he got sacked, he got fired. Do you know where that comes from? No, I actually don't. Well, in the old days, I'm talking about 200 years ago, when feudal lords owned land and they had farmers. This is in England and Ireland, and the farmer wasn't producing. The landowner would come over, take all the belongings of the farmer, put them in the sack, and go. Now get out of here. He was sacked. There you go. I'm gonna. We're gonna ring the bell first of all, but then I'm gonna say, "You, sir, are a fount of knowledge tonight." Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Well, listen, I, folks. Earlier on tonight, we were doing some promos, and I called him Tony Sheridan, who, of course, performed at the Beatles in Hamburg. So I don't know if I'm a fountain of knowledge, but I think highly of you. <laughs> <laughs> likewise, likewise. Now, but you know who didn't think highly of Bob Dylan? Look at that. Like, <laughs> this is a, he's. He's kind of like a Ozzy Osbourne now. Yeah. Anyways. So this is a great story. Two security guards were sacked because they refused to allow Bob Dylan into his own concert. Can you believe? I, I can believe that actually. But still, well, I can I can believe it because we've told stories about Dylan being arrested, looking into Neil Young's childhood home. We've told stories about Neil, uh, Bob Dylan going on tours of, in Liverpool and no one even knowing he was on the bus. I mean, yeah. we're talking about a bus that holds eight people, Tony. Eight. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, the backstory for this is uh, Mr. Dylan wanted tighter security on his tour. It was the Love and Theft tour. And he said, you know, guys, it's got to be tighter than ever. And he didn't have a pass when he himself arrived backstage and he wasn't allowed through <laughs> now i'm guessing he well, called and, somebody but and what's really horribly sad about this story everyone is that you could say that dylan's a bit of a recluse and he does not this year 2001 he was everywhere he was doing interviews he was on tv yeah. 60 minutes and the news like it wasn't like he was unknown i mean this guy was he had an album that was at number one on the charts called love and theft um so it's kind of embarrassing when the security guard, and you can just imagine him getting mad, right? Let yeah. me in. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Calling him Judas. Judas! <laughs> now, can you imagine the security guards? Yeah, that's not a very go a good uh, Bob Dylan impression there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a terrible Dylan. Who do you think you are, bud? You know, but uh, I mean, it's just, it's just, did you ever hear that? There was a, one other funny story about this tour return. I got I to share this with you. Yeah. He, he, during this tour, he only played piano. Okay. He didn't play guitar. He just, and even most recently, he doesn't play the guitar. He just plays piano. So I guess someone in the audience yelled out, I think it was in New York City. And someone yelled out, come on, Bob, play the guitar. And Dylan just got up and walked off stage while the band's playing. The band thought he was just going to get a drink of water or whatever. But 20 minutes later, <laughs> the guitarist's cell phone is going off in his pocket. And it's Dylan, and he's back at the hotel saying, I'm not going to play for this crowd. 
He's That's just left. Unbelievable. Wow. <laughs> poor band, eh? I know. They're going, uh, what the hell do we do now, Bob? But anyways, <laughs> have you ever had that happen to you, like as a teacher, where you're trying to get into a school? No, I'm being serious. Like, have you ever had it and you know, no one recognized you or you? it was like, who are, like I've had it as a social worker and oh, I didn't have my ID with me. Yeah. So I had my name paint, or sorry, my face painted on my door of the music room so i was immortalized i i replaced you know uh the uh, revolver album cover uh-huh. I, well, yeah, I, of I had that painted on my music room door and i replaced harrison on that so i was down at the bottom and uh that's you know so i'm immortalized at that school now because my picture's on the door and i i can't wait till someone goes man was that guy in the Beatles? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very cool. Yeah. Do you know, you, you remember that teacher we used to have, Mr. Stewart? He looked an awful lot like Harrison. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, uh, can I, you know what? I'm going to tell a story here. Okay. Do we have a minute for me yeah, to tell? So, of course. I've always had a minute. Yes. So this is a true story, man. This is fantastic. I took a high school band down to Cleveland, down to the rock and roll hall of fame. And I set it up with the other chaperones that, uh, we were going to pretend that I was really famous. Like everybody in Cleveland knew who I was. So the other chaperones had gone ahead at the rock hall and talked to the security guards and stuff and told them, and they went along with it. So we come up and, and the security guards like, Oh my God, you're Tony Stewart. Like we're, we're so glad you're here. And the kids are like, what's going on. And then we, we go inside and, and our tour guys say, Oh my God, it's Tony Stewart. And like, <laughs> And, you know, we had some random people coming up to me asking for autographs and stuff, right? That's great. And the kids are kids at first thought it was a joke, right? But then it kept happening. It was fantastic. And then one of the chaperones told me that she was uh, in the elevator at the hotel later in the day, right? Uh, when we got back to the hotel and kids were talking to themselves like, man, Mr. Stewart must have been pretty big back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> and I never, I never told them it was a joke. I just let it. <laughs> you didn't. You never. You never. Nope. You never let them in on the joke. Nope. Really? No. Nope. No. Nope. Yeah, that's that's even funnier. That's even funnier. <laughs> that's 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 even funnier. That's no, hilarious. we we kept it going for a whole five days. It was awesome. So you got your face with the Beatles and kids thinking that you're some kind of you know famous person in Cleveland in for Cleveland. whatever reason. <laughs> they don't know why. You know. <laughs> you know. Wow, Mr. Mr. Stewart must have been like huge, man, when he toured with you know, I was the David Hasselhoff of Cleveland. That's that's Cleveland. who I was. <laughs> I mean, that's it's a scary statement. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get back to Bob Dylan. This album did quite well though, didn't it? It won the Grammy Award for Best Contemporary Folk Album at the 44th Annual Grammy Awards. It was nominated for Album of the Year, and the track Honest With Me was nominated for Best Male Rock Vocal Performance. You know, I, I always find these Bob Dylan stories fascinating because we talked before, like you said, about not getting recognized. And, and it's just, he's one of those guys, right? He's, he's kind of, you know, like Ozzy Osbourne, right? Just find troubles seem to find him quite easily or misadventures, don't they? I'm still, I'm still stuck on the Cleveland story. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, you know, that this guy, he's just, he's one of those, I think the other funniest story... Uh, I always thought it was funny. It was, um, I guess, in 2015, 2014, he was taking a break from his tour. Because, you know, Dylan's been touring nonstop since 75. Mm-hmm. And uh, he lived. He had a house in Florida. And he borrowed the neighbor's lawnmower. 
why he doesn't have his own, I don't know. But um, I guess he had it for about a few couple of weeks, and the neighbor had to go over and demand it back. And I just kept thinking, how do you do that? Hey, Dylan, can I have my mower back, man? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm shocked that Bob Dylan cuts his own grass, to be honest. Okay, but if he's going to cut his own grass, doesn't it follow that he should have a bloody lawnmower? Too? Like, I have my own lawnmower. I don't have the neighbor. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not rich, but I own a lawnmower. But wouldn't it be cool if Bob Dylan knocked on your door and said, "Hey, man, can I borrow your lawnmower?" <laughs> <laughs> that was good. You know, I would. I would consider it an honor. Quite frankly, I yeah. would be like, "Yeah." You know, just uh, get him for to sure. autograph it before he gives it back to you. <laughs> oh, he'd be autographing more than the lawnmower. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you've got an interesting chart here. This is the top five Canadian albums, and uh, back in. October 16th, 2001. And one of these is the band that everybody loves to hate. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but who is on the top five? <laughs> I, you know, I, I do. I'm glad you said that because I really wanted to, to talk about that for a second when we get to it, but okay. Top five, Jay-Z with the blueprint. Uh, number four is an album that, that I simply adore. Uh, Anya or Enya, a day without rain. Yep. I love Enya. Yeah. Just, great album. Oh, it is a great album. Number three, Alicia Keys, another great artist, another great album called Songs in a Minor. I guess a minor key. <laughs> is this the band you're talking about, Tony? Yes. Well, good two? guess. Good guess. The song <laughs> that everybody loves to hate. And you know, for a band that everybody hates, they sure sold a lot of albums, didn't they? Still do. They just, this summer, they sold out at uh, the, the Ontario Place, whatever they call it, the Budweiser stage. This 21,000 people. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. I mean, people like me make fun of them, you know, like, you know, that joke, right? Um, uh, Nickelback walk into a bar. But wait a minute, that's no joke. <laughs> they might play live. <laughs> yeah. You know, there are horrible jokes about this band, but Okay. I, I want full disclosure. What do you think of Nickelback? So back in the day, I I found them. I didn't hate them. I certainly didn't hate them, but I found very formulaic. Would you know? Um, I just I was kind of neutral on Nickelback, to be honest. There were a few songs that I liked, and a whole bunch of other ones that I thought all sounded the same. I don't know. What about you? Okay, a hundred percent. I agree with you. Everything you just said, and and what I couldn't figure out is why they developed people hating them. Like I thought, they're no different than the Dave Matthews Band, and no one was hating on the Dave Matthews yeah. Band. And the other band that I really hated was um, the one that did the song with the, the the video had the little girl just as a bee. Couldn't stand that. That just drove me nuts. After a while, I can't think of the name of the song or the group. But there was a lot of these bands at the time that I thought. Everything they're doing sounds the same. But why did people pick on Nickelback? Was it his hair? Number one is an album I know you love. Oh, and so do I. It's Diana Krall with The Look of Love. I am a huge Diana Krall fan. I love her playing. I love her singing. Just just a fabulous artist and Canadian to boot. So there you go. Well, there's two two Canadians in the top five albums, right? We had Nickelback. They're from out well west. And then you have... Uh, uh, Diana Carl, who's from Vancouver. So yeah, a couple of Canadians in there. And now, you know what? We're going to go to our final story before we do our From Memphis to Merseyside moment. And this, we have never talked about her, but I are you a fan of Patti Smith? I love her. I have every album she's ever made. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Full disclosure. I, I, and, and let me tell you, well, we'll talk about it when we come back. 
Yeah, well, so we're going to be right back and we'll be talking some Patty Smith. Okay, we're back and here we are. It is October the 16th, 2015, and we're in Chicago. And you know, there are some artists, they don't necessarily sell a ton of records, but they are incredibly influential and they're true originals. And I would have to say that Patti Smith fits squarely into the into that category. Don't you agree? Okay, I'm a huge Patti Smith fan, and I agree with you. This is a woman that that broke down barriers for for many artists, not just women, for a lot of artists. And um, yeah, she's. I mean, her biggest hit was co-written with Bruce Springsteen before Bruce Springsteen was big. Yeah, right. Because the night, and you know, her music. It's. I mean, it, it's right square in the middle of the punk movement. Um, but she hints at all kinds of other trends in music in her uh, in her songs as well. I mean, she, a, a true, true original. Uh, listen to the delivery on something like, uh, do you remember that song, uh, Piss Factory? Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, 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 which yeah. is just her delivery in that song is is unbelievable. It's almost, uh, it reminded me almost of the, the same rhyming structure as, you know, rap and, and hip hop lyrics that came later in a little bit. I, I agree. I think it pre. I think it's an early rap, you know. And yeah. and I, I don't think for a second people weren't paying attention to what she was doing because they were. Fernando Beach, same thing. That that song is. I just it. Man, does it move me every time I hear it. Like it's just it's. And people got the power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Just big, big, big wows. Anyways. So, well, you know? and she's a chameleon too, right? Because. Uh, so many different styles that she sings in. Like uh, I, I love Patti Smith as well. Full disclosure as well. I'm a big fan. And and if you haven't checked out her books, not her books of, po- I mean, her books of poetry are fantastic as well, but she's written a couple of memoirs. Um, You're the monkey, just kids. Um, and my favorite M train. They're just, fin- fin- I mean, she's written fiction as well. I mean, she's, she's, she's been writing since 71, but uh, those books of hers, were, the trilogy of, of her memoirs, are are so worth. You know, just read them. Go to the library, get them out. Their their M train is is beyond. It's it's lyrical when you read it. It's almost like reading it. You can almost hear her singing it as opposed to saying it. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very well. She was a poet, right? And and uh, every song was poetry. So. On October the sixteenth, twenty fifteen, this is a great story. And when I saw this, I thought we should probably do this one you know she had a bag of stuff that was stolen 36 years earlier returned to her by a fan which is amazing so here's like get this folks here's a list of some of the things that were that were taken from her 36 years ago Uh, a shirt worn for a 1978 rolling stone cover shot a bandana given to her by her late brother um so what happened was the items went missing in June of 1979 when a truck, which was carrying like $40,000 in, in 1979 is a lot of dough in amplifiers, guitars, and other musical equipment was stolen from outside of a hotel. They played a show at the Aragon Ballroom, which I've actually uh, seen that building, but uh, the mm-hmm. Aragon Ballroom in Chicago, it was stolen from there and it got returned to her 36 years later. So that is a real feel good story, isn't it? Oh, it's beyond feel good. I, I was, I, I, 
I found that story and it reminded me of a story that John Fogarty told when I saw him recently about his guitar that he, he basically in a fit of anger sold back in 71 and he regretted it mm-hmm. as soon as he sold it. He had this beautiful guitar and his, his wife spent 20 years tracking it down. She finally found where it wound up and she bought it for him. Now it's a bit of a different slant because this guy just brought this stuff back to Patty Smith, and I'm sure she was beyond grateful. Yeah. But it's amazing what goes missing then comes back, you know. So that's a feel-good story because a fan. I don't know, I, and I know the T-shirt she's talking about. I can see mm-hmm. the cover. Yeah, in my I can head too. I can. Stone. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And um, uh, did you ever? Did you know that um, this is not funny? Kind of funny. Like the Sex Pistols. They needed instruments, and they actually the instruments they used they stole from David Bowie's truck. In oh England. my goodness! Wow. <laughs> and they talk and they talk about it quite openly now. It's like, yeah, we stole a guitar, a bass, a couple of amps. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, there is nothing like a good feel good story. But you know what doesn't make me feel good, Aaron, is this chart. Mm. This chart does not make me feel good. This is the top five singles in the USA 2015. What were listeners thinking? I don't know, but and, and, and four fifths are Canadian. Oh well, and four and five fifths are awful. But anyway, now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't, Tony. You can't beat around the bush with me. You got to come up and, and tell me how you really feel. <laughs> so, uh, so what was on the charts? Garbage. No, um, the bad <laughs> exactly. garbage. Uh, sadly, we're not. They're a good band. I like garbage. Talk, talking uh, about Mason. disposable music. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, number five, have you ever heard of Fetty Wap? Because I somehow missed him. But, no, uh, it's no idea. He was number five with 679. I don't even care what it means. Um, number four, The Weekend with Can't Feel My Face. Uh, number three, Drake, Hotling, Hotline Bling. Number two, Justin Bieber. What do you mean? Exactly, Justin. What do you mean? And number one, The weekend, The Hills. Now, or again, this is when downloading was starting to be charted and, and, and all that. But I, just, I put the top five singles in, Tony, for that very reason, for your reaction, because I looked at that and kind of went, sadly, we haven't moved on from that. Because if, if you're looking at the charts these days, Drake and The weekend are still on there, you know? Yeah. So what can you say? And, you know, uh, one of the things about streaming, one of the – and again, I'm going to rant for a second. Okay. Is great bands like Maroon five. Like what are these guys doing lately? Like they're putting out garbage music and um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just don't get it because when they first came out, I thought they were amazing, but that's my little rant. I saw Maroon five on one of their first tours and they were phenomenal. Yeah, and great band. It's, a, it's what you pointed out, though. You said to me ages ago that I think what is just 45 seconds and then it counts as a, as yeah, a listener, right? Thir- 30 seconds, yeah. Okay, so you and I could be hanging out this weekend and I could go, hey, Tony, have you heard this new one by so-and-so? It's just awful. Here, just listen to it for a minute. Well, you know what? Now it's got to listen because yeah. even if I play 30 seconds of it, it's going to look like someone, but not everyone listening to the stuff is really liking it, you know? Mm-hmm. And not everybody listening to this stuff is even listening, right? A lot of times it's in well, the background. Well, that that's another, yeah, that's another story. Absolutely. You're right. Yeah, well, that was the top five folks. And oh, anyways, yeah, grand. 
But on a more <laughs> positive note, guess what time it is? It's time for From Memphis to Merseyside. And folks, if you missed it, I'm going to do a shameless plug here, Aaron, for our upcoming radio show on Bombshell Radio. We are actually turning the From Memphis to Merseyside segment into a full show. It's going to be called From Memphis to Merseyside, and it's a social history show. And we're going to be premiering on Bombshell Radio very soon, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, we'll be right back with our From Memphis to Merseyside moment. So this is a story about a couple of stories here, but one is about a guy named Ed Sullivan. And Tony, I'm old enough to remember watching Ed Sullivan. In fact, I can remember watching Ed Sullivan when Paul McCartney debuted Maybe I'm Amazed. Mm. Anyways, just thought I'd say that. But in this October 13th, 1974, Ed Sullivan passed away. Um, I actually put out an Ed Sullivan song on the playlist, so you can dig that. Uh, he introduced the Beatles. He introduced the Stones, CCR. I mean, he, he was the Saturday Night Live of his generation. Um, he was live. People perform live. Uh, and Elvis performed on that as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah. And that was a, a sensation, right? Do you when, when Elvis appeared for the first time, he had, had been on a couple of uh, television shows prior to that, like Milton Berle, but the Ed Sullivan one, wow, that was that was something else when, it, when Elvis was on there. And Tony, I finally saw Elvis, the movie. Oh, yeah. Yay. And what'd you think? I thought it was amazing. I thought it was it was a brilliant film. I thought it was well done. I agree with you. I got goosebumps at the um, you know, the, the hayride, Louisiana hayride segment. Oh. Uh, I even got goosebumps when they're doing the comeback special. Yeah, to be honest with you, I, yeah, I, I loved it. A, I thought it was great. They do a brilliant job of portraying how uh, disruptive he was. I loved it. I watched it again this and, week, actually. So yeah, yeah, it's great. It's a great movie. But in his own way, Ed Sullivan was very disruptive. Now he had a couple of artists that actually were banned off his show because they didn't play nice. Yeah. The doors being, for one. Yeah. The doors had Bob Dylan. Um, Dylan wanted to do talking John Birch society blues and it's almost said absolutely not. So Dylan, I think an hour before show walked out. <laughs> he oh. does it a lot. Mr. Dylan, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. Um, <laughs> Well, the doors, because they wouldn't change the lyrics to light my fire, right? That's right. And and they said they were going to change them. And then, of course, live, they did not change them. And he was incensed about that. Yeah. And Any said, right that's it. Yeah, exactly. Now, we've got one other story, though, here that ties. So this is a little bit of a double M2M moment today. Um, a magazine called Mojo Magazine. Are you familiar with that magazine? I'm not. Oh, I do. I read it every chance I can find a copy here. Yeah. Okay, you. I, I don't know it, but uh, they voted. It's a great magazine. You would love it. You'd love it. So they they asked people uh, the most pivotal moments in rock history, and to nobody's surprise, really, uh, I think they said Elvis Presley's debut single "That's All Right" was the most pivotal moment in rock history, and I would have to agree with that. I'd say that recording session at Sun Records. Uh, you know, that, that happy accident, uh, when Elvis was just fooling around and they recorded, that's all right, mama, that moment for sure really kickstarted the rock and roll era. But Bob Dylan, uh, switching from acoustic to electric in 1965 was second place. Uh, does that surprise you at all? 
Yes and no. No, because it was pivotal. Yes, because he was booed off stages. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the story, you can hear them. You can listen to the albums that have been released of the concerts and he's booed. He's openly booed for going electric. And um, Pete Seeger tried to take an axe to his amp. Yes, the I remember New- that. Yeah. Newport Music Festival, you know, so I'm surprised that that's number. I'm surprised that the Beatles aren't in the top three, but you know that's because I'm a Beatle fan, and I'm. Oh, I was surprised by that as well. Uh, so number three though was the day de- the debut single by the Clash, "White Riot," uh, released in 1977, was voted third. Now that is a big moment for sure. The Clash releasing that, um, that album, but I, I don't think that it trumps maybe some of the Beatles stuff. You know. Well, I, I don't think it trumps the Sex Pistols, who were first out of the gate with a punk single. Actually, the very first punk band would have been The Damned with a song called New Rose. And I, 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 I don't know why The Clash is so revered all the time, because they, they were not, they didn't start punk. I mean, if you really want mm-hmm. New York Dolls and Ramones and all that. But in the terms of British punk, they, were, they jumped on a bandwagon. If you listen to Clash prior to punk, they were doing R&B, man. They were doing like yeah. Van Morrison covers. So... I was surprised, but then you know, with two thousand and three, was that around when Strummer died? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But so there you go. So we thought we'd tie that in with the from Memphis to Merseyside yeah. moment as well. And Aaron, I'm sounding cranky. I don't mean to. I'm sorry. Don't oh, you know what? I think, there. Well, you know what? It was that top five <laughs> singles chart from two thousand and fifteen. <laughs> Yeah, it just set me right off in a bad mood. <laughs> <laughs> so great road trip, though, as always, my friend. And we should give thanks uh, where thanks is due. So Rick Denis uh, wrote all the music. And uh, by the way, when you come over uh, this weekend, when you're here this weekend, Rick is going to pop by and say hi. So that'll be a nice chance for you guys to meet. He's a great guy. Oh, great. I've never met him. I'm looking forward to that. That's fantastic. Yeah. So two more sleeps until we get to see each other in person. And folks, we hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, Thanks for letting us into your headphones. As always, be sure to share the show and feel free to leave us any kind of feedback you like. We love hearing it. So until next time, when the man is getting you down, Aaron, what should you do? Well, like Bob Dylan says, no, (laughs) you just got to keep rocking because that's basically it.